truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. We are back in the saddle here live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number if you'd like to join us here on The Blaze. 888-900-3393. You can also let us know. What you think about what we think, steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And the last name for those of you listening today via Blaze Radio or on the podcast is D-E-A-C-E. I want to start today by welcoming a new partner to the show I'm really excited about. Uh, I've interviewed uh, Craig R. Smith, uh, who's with Swiss America on this show in its uh, previous uh, formats uh, several times over the years. I mean, really one of the more knowledgeable guests when it comes to uh, the economy uh, and financial matters that that I've ever had a chance to introduce. And now Swiss America is a new partner of our show. And, and one of the things that they really want to focus on, you know, we had this truth bomb recently on the program where we talked about how eager millennials seem to be to embrace socialism and, and really who's, Whose fault is that? Um, that a lot of this is passed down from the previous generations. Well, there's a new report from the free market advocates at Swiss America about this gradual shift toward increased socialism and how it's going to impact your savings in a big way. All right. If you want to learn more about this, it's called the Protect Your Wealth Report. The Protect Your Wealth Report. Uh, you can get this vital report for free one of two ways. You can give Swiss America a call at 800-289-2646 right now. That's 1-800-289-2646. Or you can visit their website, SwissAmerica.com. SwissAmerica.com. Discover how we the people abandoned free market, really biblical economics, and shows this road to socialism, the next generation seems poised to finish off uh, and, and learn more now because maybe we can halt this march to history. 800-289-2646, 800-289-2646, SwissAmerica.com. So quick order of business before we get about normal business here on the program. Uh, on Monday, uh, and, and this really started happening uh, when we were doing our Blaze Roundtable. In fact, I don't remember most of it. I don't even know how I got through it. And I don't know if you guys could sense something was wrong yep. or not, but uh, um, I started having severe heart flutterings, palpitations, I think is the medical term for these. Uh, and I'd, I've been having them for the, uh, the last uh, month on and off, and they usually have gone away. And, but these were pretty overpowering. And of course, when you're in your mid-40s, you start thinking, what, you're having a heart attack, right? But I I went ahead and finished off the roundtable because I had no other symptoms associated with a heart attack. No shortness of breath, no sweating, none of, none of the, you know, the left arm thing, none of the classic symptoms when you go to WebMD.com or anybody else since we've become more knowledgeable about heart health the last few decades, uh, the, the common factors, all right? But so I waited until we got done with the round table here. In fact, I, I almost had one of you call 911. That's how concerned I was. But I waited until we got done with the round table here. Uh, I didn't, and I wanted to see, do I need to call 911 or can I drive myself there? 
Um, I wasn't going to drive myself there if I thought there was a serious cardiac event. Obviously, I wasn't going to risk other people. So I waited here for about 15 to 30 minutes, somewhere in that timetable, because again, I don't remember much. Uh, it was pre- I, I remember I had calmed down. Uh, so I made the uh, the drive over. And, and as I was driving over, I was getting uh, much calmer. So I decided I was going to split the difference and stop at the uh, outcare clinic. Uh, and it just so happened there was no one in the waiting room, so I got right in. Now they did a chest X-ray, EKG, everything was fine. Heart rate was fine. Uh, initial blood work was fine. Um, but the doctor there told me afterwards, you know, if you were my nephew or my kid, and given the symptoms you've described, there's one more test that they can run at the hospital that we can't run here. That you know, about 20% of people have what's called an asymptomatic heart attack and where the symptoms that are, they're typically associated with it were not, uh, were not prevalent. Uh, and he said we could, uh, th- they run a deeper blood scan that would determine if there was any other arterial damage that would indicate you had had one of those. So chances are it's not cardiac and you're fine. But on the off chance that it is, okay, if you were my kid, you've come this far, I'd probably have you do it. So it was like 3.30 in the afternoon, um, plenty of time for me to get the rest of my work done. Um, I thought, okay, I'll just go over there, handed me my uh, lab work that they had done, uh, the x-ray that they had done. thought, I'll just go over there, I'll be fine, and um, um, it's all good. I'll just, they'll just take another blood sample, I'll wait for the results, and then we'll find out where to go. For, that's not what happened. Uh, they were very diligent there at the, uh, when I brought them my stuff. Is that what you're calling it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, they pounced on me. Uh, and before you know it, I mean, I've got an IV in my arm, three attendants, okay, heart monitors. Um, but you know what, though? Uh, it's it, it, better to be safe than sorry, right? So they then ran the, the test again. Everything was fine. They suggested I stay overnight for observation so they could observe to see if when the symptoms reoccur, um, if there's anything showing up on any of their monitors from a cardiac standpoint. So I stayed overnight. Uh, plus, it was the best way for me to get a stress test. Uh, if I had tried to do it outpatient, I'd have had a three-day wait, and that was the last entry, le- you know, basic level test I had to do. My blood oxygen was 98. My resting heart rate was 70. I mean, those are right on perfect numbers. You know, my cholesterol a little high. But that was the trade-off. I spent the last two years eating a high-fat, low-carb diet, so that would explain that, okay? So no factors. They'd done three EKGs. Everything was fine. So I stayed overnight in order to get my stress test. Went into the stress test yesterday. Uh, we, that, we crushed that. And so I'm, I'm going back for a follow-up today. So it's, it's been interesting, the amount of men my age that I know all over the country, and several of you that listen and watch our show, that have been emailing me and texting me uh, with with similar symptoms and similar stories. Um, but uh, what I can tell you is cardiovascularly, I'm in excellent health. Um, so that leaves only a couple of options, uh, gastrointestinal like an ulcer, but I don't have any of the symptoms associated with that at all. Uh, but I am going to a follow-up appointment after the show today, and we'll check on some of that. More than likely, it, my story is similar to some of your stories that you've been sharing with me. It's behavioral, all right? So um, 
it, I, I'm not a heavy drinker. I might have two glasses of wine a year. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. Um, my fitness level is high as indicated by like my resting heart rate is like what a professional athlete has. Okay. Cause of the activity level I have, I went and did my kickboxing workout this morning, uh, for example. So we're looking at behavioral factors and, uh, about March 1st, I changed I, from a low carb diet. I just reached the point of, I couldn't, I wasn't making any more progress there. I was kind of getting bored with it. Um, and there's some research out there that the further you get into your past your forties, the less effective for various reasons that lifestyle may actually be. So, um, I done, uh, talked to some people I know that are doing this, did some of my own research on intermittent fasting Thought I'd give that a shot. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. Um, but what I have been doing since I started that on March 1st is, man, I have been pounding the green teas, which are like the healthiest, but also like the highest in caffeine. I've been pounding the green teas uh, and the Coke Zeros during my uh, fasting times. So this may be, you know, my mom is a, is, is a retired ER nurse. And she just, she told me that when, um, when she was in ERs, truckers would come in, convinced they were having heart attacks. And it was really just that they had drank 17 cups of coffee in the last 24 hours to stay awake and make their, make their drive times. And so these were just heart palpitations brought on by um, over external stimulation from caffeine. So I'm, we're leaning towards that's what it was. But uh, I'll know more when I go to my follow-up checkup uh, after the show today. But um, I, I figured you guys would want an update on what occurred and why I wasn't here. Uh, Todd and Aaron, you had more than capable fill-ins per my uh, tradition. I, I don't know what they did. I don't ever watch when I'm not on the show. I've only done it once ever in my whole career, going back to when I first started in sports talk radio. And it's only because, um, a guy was trying out, I had announced I was leaving a job and what my last day was. And a friend of mine was trying out to take my place. And he asked me to listen to air check him. So Short of that, I don't ever listen. And the reason why is, A, if they're better than me, I don't have to admit it. And B, if they did, if they sucked or did something controversial, I have total plausible deniability. So I, I don't know what happened yesterday. I don't want to know. You uh, were brilliant. Okay. I'm sure, I'm sure that's not true, but thank you. Uh, if you send me your, if it, <laughs> the voice from the ear says they were. Uh, if you send me your feedback, I won't even look at it. The minute I see their names, I will just send it on to them. Okay, but uh, I'm blessed to have a very capable team here that can fill in in those situations. And, um, you know, had uh, Amy was there with me throughout the entire ordeal, which most of it consisted of um, blood draws. I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt today because if I don't, you guys are going to think, you know, uh, I'm a heroin addict. I mean, I, I've had a ton of blood draws and you guys know I hate needles. I am your typical guy, man. All right. Break a bone. Cool. I'm here. All right. Hell, I thought I was having a heart attack 48 hours ago. I'm here. You say you want to take blood? Hell no. All right, so I've had IVs, and they put that thing right. You know, when I was a kid, I had an IV once, and didn't they, I always thought they put them in here, in the hand. Man, they put that thing right in my bicep, you know? And so now that that muscle's all bruised up. It looks like, I, Amy told me this morning, it looks like you've been doing, you've been shooting heroin. You know, so I'm wearing a long sleeve shirt today. You know, uh, to cover up the, the the track marks in the arms. You know, and I've got all the marks from all the sticky pads that they've had on me the last couple of days. But um, um, the moral of the story, though, kids, uh, it, it is better. It is better to be safe. 
uh, then sorry. Uh, and if you have the option uh, to surround yourself with uh, capable people to pick up your slack and the, uh, uh, you know, Tyler, Gaston, Ricky, and the entire management team here at the Blaze has been great uh, as well. So um, it's certainly not anxiety. I couldn't be blessed with a better work situation uh, than the one that I have. So you guys have any other questions or we, can we stop talking about me now? Yeah, for for the future reference, you, you're going to need to improve your SOS signals to me because I honestly had no idea. You were sitting right there the whole on. time, like, the, and I, I, said, there were two or three times I almost looked at you and said, "I think you better call nine one one." You know, I, I, I was sitting there thinking that as I was, I, you know, I'm a I, master I, compartmentalizer. Yeah, I really should have probably said something because I think you w- walked like in and out of the studio multiple times. Yeah. Uh, the other day after the after the round table, I'm like, this is so weird. What yeah. is he doing? Yeah. Do you recall you had asked me a question about something and I began to answer and then I stopped in mid-answer. Do you remember that? I don't remember that, no. Okay. See, this is, we're such guys here. We are all master compartmentalizers. We are all focused on our own tasks, the bottom line of what we have to accomplish and what is expected of us. And you could be sitting here screaming, hey, better, hey, better, hey, better swing. And we just, we're, we're just... We're not paying attention. Again, here's another moral of the story. Ladies, when he asked you, what, is he, what are you thinking? It really often is nothing. I'm, I'm just, I'm doing what I need to do right now. So you had no idea no. at all. When I called you from the hospital, I put you guys on, on conference to let you know what was going on. Were you like shocked, stunned? Yeah, our show's canceled. This is what this is about, isn't it? <laughs> Were you shocked and stunned what I was telling you? Well, I, I didn't. I certainly didn't see it coming, man. I mean, I I have a history of heart disease in my family. My dad's had open heart surgery, so I mean, and you and I are, I'm, yeah, forty six, forty five. This yeah. is where I get. I mean, he had his open heart surgery when he was like forty eight, I think. So yeah, you got to be real about it. So if you, you know what, if you're not sure, I've always I've always said, you know, in our home when we're when we're making major decisions, if we're not sure, the answer is no. Right. That's always when people come to me and they ask me, what do you think I had to do? I'm not sure. My answer is always nope. When it's a major life decision, when you're not sure, and I'm not talking having last second doubts, we've already committed to something, but like before you make that initial commitment in general, if you're not sure, the answer is no. And in general, as we get older guys, if you're not sure, make sure that would be the motto to the story. And now here is Aaron with what happened while I was away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Walking It Back. Senator and Democrat presidential hopeful Kamala Harris said this two nights ago. But people who are in, convicted in prison, like the Boston Marathon bomber, death row, people who are convicted of sexual assault, they should be able to vote? I think we should have that conversation. But yesterday... But, you know, um, do I think that people who commit murder, who, people who are terrorists, should be deprived of their rights? Yeah, I do. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's chief of staff says, what's the reason not to let incarcerated people vote? Shouldn't the people most affected by unjust laws have some say in electing people to change them? Pentagon officials are reviewing procedures after reports that Mexican military disarmed and detained Two U.S. soldiers on Texas soil earlier this month. 
Remember as far back as the late 90s when those who wanted to ban on homosexual scout leaders in what was then the Boy Scouts were bigots? Yeah, those are fun times. In completely unrelated news, a newly uncovered list by an attorney claiming to represent over 12,000 victims of child sex abuse amongst former Boy Scout leaders shows over 7,000, almost 8,000 perpetrators dating back to 1940. An Oregon judge somehow has the power to block a Trump administration ban on abortion referrals at federally funded pregnancy centers. Republicans in Florida's state legislature have stalled Governor Ron DeSantis's plan to enforce e-verify in that state, a win for cronyists and the open borders crowd. The Iowa state legislature passed a bill to allow sports betting and fantasy sports betting. If Governor Kim Reynolds signs it, Iowa will become the ninth state to allow this activity. Virginia Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax's new motto is, We rise together, or as Blaze Media's Autumn Johnson pointed out, We rise to get her. An old tweet of Minnesota Congresswoman Elon Omar has surfaced. She's responding to someone who stated the death toll on Americans after the Battle of Mogadishu in Somalia, saying, Quote, in his selective memory, he forgets to also mention the thousands of Somalis killed by American forces that day. Hashtag not today, Satan. Let's see what CNN is apoplectic about today. Listen, you know, say what you will about the press. This is an event that honors the First Amendment. Yes, that's what it's about. It's an awards dinner and a fundraiser. In the past, presidents have always shown up, uh, even if they were angry at the press at any given time. And importantly, it's it's useful for White House aides to schmooze with reporters. Yeah. It's helpful for us to get to know our sources. There's some value in these sorts of festive events, but it is, as you said, another example of a tradition that's uh, at least being put on pause during the Trump age. Here's what the Correspondents Association says. They said basically, they don't mind either way. This event is going to be about celebrating journalists and celebrating the First Amendment, and so the show will go on. There's the statement uh, about this weekend's dinner and dinners in the future. But look, it's yet another example of, of what we're seeing. This administration's attack against the media it takes many forms. Yeah, One does. form is the president having a rally uh, this Saturday instead of attending the dinner. Uh, Uh, And I do think it matters mostly because of uh, what it means about these tensions continuing to escalate. I didn't call Bob Costa of the Washington Post. He called me. Returned his call. Just more fake news. I literally have no idea what he's talking about. I don't know if anybody does, and I don't know why he even cares at this point. And finally, on or about this day in history, William Shakespeare was born and died 52 years later on the same day. Of the many words he invented was uncomfortable, which is exactly how you'll feel when you watch the cast of Marvel's Avengers Endgame sing, We Didn't Start the Fire. Tony Stark, Iron Man, Nick Fury has a plan, Big Shot, Pepper Potts, Arc Reactor Core, Asgard, Kitchen War, Loki and his brother Thor, Bruce Banner, Radiation Transformation. It's really ruining the movie for us. And that's what happened while we were away. Hey, do you struggle to get uh, started each day? Uh, do you have bursts of energy, productivity, etc.? cetera? Uh, you are down in those cups of coffee, uh, those energy drinks, those sodas to survive the day. If that is you, might I suggest uh, you do this nature's way, the way your creator, Mother Nature, intended. And that's with our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition and their product from dawn to dusk. Uh, improved mood and energy for up to 10 hours. Uh, no jitters, no afternoon crash, no calories, no sugar. And if you want to try this product right now, uh, you can do it uh, using my name and get 15% off your first order when you go to BrickhouseSteve.com. That's BrickhouseSteve.com. Promo code Steve. S-T-E-V-E. I don't know why I felt compelled to spell that. Promo code Steve. 
because they made me spell that 17 times the last 24 hours. Uh, promo code Steve, uh, when you go to BrickHouseSteve.com, get 15% off of your first order. Again, it's called From Dusk or From Dawn Till Dusk. From Dawn Till Dusk. I almost did it again, Aaron. From Dawn Until Dusk. All right, let's get into uh, some of the topics in Aaron's montage today. Just to let you know, on our roundtable uh, this afternoon, we're going to tackle uh, Kamala Harris's uh, faux pas. Uh, and of course, the official show definition of a faux pas uh, is when a politician opens uh, their mouths and the unvarnished truth actually comes out. Okay, So this is clearly a faux pas because she has to walk it back uh, and it didn't take very long for her to do so. So what's the impact of this? We will discuss that today on our Blaze Media Roundtable. Um. I want to see for a couple of minutes if we can have a serious conversation. And I, I don't mean this tongue-in-cheek. All right, let's, let's try to be serious and be adults, okay? If we're going to live in a society that is going to say traditional notions of um, what makes a family— where kids are better off, why it takes a male and a female to create a child. If we're going to live in a society where those things aren't going to be as respected and acknowledged as they used to be, and it appears barring revival, we are going to live. We are going to live in a society like that. We are. We're going to live in a society where people have two mommies or two daddies. I'm not urging us to give up the moral high ground of why this fight was worthy of having in the first place. I'm not. I just, I want us to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time, okay? Because while we're having this debate, we have same-gendered families, same-sex families, while the debate is ongoing. We can't, you know, I, I just watched Mark Wahlberg's latest film that came out at Christmas um, where him and his, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy who plays his wife, they're thinking about doing adoption. You remember when that movie was out? Uh, yeah, and Rose, isn't her name Rose? Yeah, something. Rose Byrne or something. Rose Byrne, yeah. yeah. And it's very well done. It's it's also like a two-hour commercial for gay adoptions, basically. It's a really well-done film. has a overall a really good message, but it's also a two-hour commercial for gay adoptions. So it does multiple things at the same time. If this is where we're going as a society, I'm, I'm not ever going to sign up for this on a, a affirmative level. But I, I can't change the things that I can't, I'm not empowered to change either. So if, if we're going to do this, and, and I want to take people who disagree with me on this issue and, and take people who are in same-gendered and same-sex relationships and take them at their word and give them the benefit of the doubt that they love their children. If we at least have that in common, can we acknowledge why? Why we had Boy Scouts and Brownies? Can we acknowledge that? Can, can we acknowledge why we thought it was a bad idea for men to take girls 
out of the way by themselves overnight. Can, can, we, can we acknowledge that? And, and I don't think you have to be, I, 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 maybe, and maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know why acknowledging, if these are your base desires, if you believe you are born this way and you cannot change, no matter what, then I don't understand why the same thing shouldn't apply here as it has in traditional heterosexual realities. It's not good to put people alone with underlings' innocence and those under their authority where they can act on those desires. And this has nothing to do with singling out homosexuals. We made this decision in the heterosexual community generations ago. We said, you know, probably not a good idea to have a man overlooking the girls in their locker room. Long before, long before science determined that gender was fluid in a social construct. Long before we decided, you know, Heather has two mommies. We thought it was a bad idea to put individuals with certain basic instincts and natures in a position where they could overpower those that would be places and, and targets and channels and vehicles for them to exercise their basic instincts and natures. We just thought that was a good idea, didn't we? Can we, can, can, can we, if we're going to be multiple in how we view families, and if we all say we love our kids, can we agree on this? It simply isn't a good idea. It's just not. No matter, no matter which attraction you believe is inherent or basic to your existence, the numbers of that, of that, of that study from the Boy Scouts is another proof your church has gone through this. You're going version 2.0 of this right now. Yep. So, so if we're gonna if we're gonna live in this society, if this is who we're gonna be, can we can if we both say we love our kids, can we get those of you who have a different definition of family and gender than than the, the those of us over here in the traditional side to the conservative side? Can we at least find some common ground to help you to understand why we separated men from women, boys from girls in certain sensitive situations, generations before we even started thinking of this argument that we're having now as a culture? And Todd, you're nodding your head no. I hope the answer isn't no. Because if it's not no, more children are going to be harmed. And it is not because homosexuality is inherently evil. It's because human nature is. And it will manifest that evil in lots of forms of sexuality, including heterosexuality with assaults, adulteries, etc. Acknowledging this notion of human nature is why we made these separations in the first place. Can we have no room for any common sense here at all? You're you're shaking your head. No, you believe the answer is no. I said it last week, and you followed up on it. You, You can't not... Choose chaos because ultimately the goal of all of this was to kill the God of order himself. If there was a genuine love of God, but confusion then along the way, which happens Mm -hmm. in our lives, order might kick in at some point. Something, I stop. You want, these people are God killers. They need chaos. Chaos must be followed with a couple of them. There might be, but not with the majority. I, 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 and I believe that as much as I believe anything 
itself. I believe it is inherently uh, biblical. If if we if we are trusting on order and decency and common sense to come in with people who are God killers, we don't trust our own theology. I think this is a common sense conversation we're going to have to continue to have. Agreed. Given this is the reality of the culture we are going to live in. If you are, it is spring. If you're looking at buying or selling a home, let me give you a website you want to try. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It was started by Glenn Beck and some of his friends who were tired of real estate agents who talked a good game, then didn't deliver the results that they uh, promised when needed the most. This is your biggest investment, your home. Probably you're ever going to have, according to the most studies. So you're looking for three things in a real estate agent. Somebody who understands that this is a complicated process, difficult to navigate. And they got a long track record of being able to do exactly that. You need someone who also understands market value. It's, it's more than an algorithm. Are there individual family situations that cause a certain home to sell lower than the rest of the neighborhood value, for example, so that you still get the value that your home is worth. And then third, um, um, do you like this person? I know that's kind of a fundamental basic thing, but it's really hard to get uh, into the bunker with one of the most stressful things you'll ever do in your life with somebody you don't enjoy being around, okay? So if you want to check all three of those boxes, get moving right now with realestateagentsitrust.com. They'll help you find the agent worthy and right for you. realestateagentsitrust.com. Congressman Chip Roy from the great state of Texas is going to join us. We're going to talk and attempt to do some actual governing, if you can believe that, when we come back. Stay tuned. Do you have a stoplight on your kitchen table to let you know when to stop eating? Um, you do have a stoplight that's naturally present in your body, though. Uh, it's called OEA. It sends a signal to your brain that you're full. Now, for some of us, that signal just isn't strong enough, and that's why we keep eating and gaining weight. Get your body some help, though. Uh, and that help is in the form of Riduzone because it's one of its main ingredients one of its only ingredients, because there's only like three, is OEA. It's formulated to help you know when you're full. Think of Riduzone as, as your stoplight. Riduzone was developed to help your stomach send a signal to your brain so you can feel fuller naturally. Willpower only gets you so far. Uh, but if you want to fight those cravings, you want to win the battle of the bulge and kick that metabolism uh, into high gear. And oh, by the way, it doesn't contain caffeine. So there you go. Uh, Riduzone does contain though OEA and that's pretty much all it contains. Riduzone.com is the website. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. Riduzone.com. Uh, you can get a special offer right now when you go to Riduzone.com. R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E. We are uh, efforting, uh, hooking up with the Congressman Chip Roy uh, as we speak. One of the issues, just because I know him pretty well, uh, when I ask him, now that we are trying to get into a post, post-molar world, and we all agree, we'd had this conversation earlier this week, we had it last week, Democrats are going to stay here because they, they really can't talk issues. You saw with Kamala Harris last night, we'll get more into this on the roundtable today, you see what happens when they talk issues. They're outside of the American mainstream on virtually everything, on virtually everything. 
And it's and I, and I think this is an important clarification and distinction for us as conservatives to draw, not because this country is moving to the right. It's just they have far exceeded the pace it's willing to go to the left. And it even goes to the conversation you and I were just having a minute ago, Todd. Most of Americans right now would live would absolutely sign up for a world where gay adoptions are legal everywhere, but we don't send their boys overnight with people who are same sex attracted. They would they they believe they can live in a world where both of these things can be true. Would you agree with that? Most Americans believe that this world is possible. Yes. Okay. The idea and who we'll never know if it is possible. We are never going to know. That's why it's revival or bust. We're never going to know if this world of mutual full mutual accommodation of pluralism. At, at this level, if it truly is possible, we're never going to know because the ideologues in the other party are never going to let us find out. They're just never going to let us find out because it's what you said. You're right. What's driving this is a desire to deconstruct Americana. That's what's driving this. And at the heart of Americana is a radical notion, something that had never really been posited in, in the history of our species. The idea that rights come from God and not from government. Which then, of course, begs the question, well, which God are we talking about here? And in the case of the people who founded this and established this country, they meant the God of the Bible. And the idea that rights come from God and not from government meant that governments are now accountable just as much so to the same governments or the same God as are the people that they govern. That whole government by the consent of the governed thing. Okay? The people running the Democratic Party now want to undo all of that. So... We're never really going to find out, really, whether you can live in a country where you put your white cross out for Holy Week while your neighbors put out their rainbow flag for Gay Pride Month in June, and you can actually just ride off into the sunset sharing a country together. We're never going to find out if that's really possible. Agreed. Because they don't, they don't, they don't, the reason they introduced this diversity was never to seek accommodation. But it was the beginning post. It was the it was the opening postmodern salvo of deconstruction, the the word that you like to use, Todd, a lot, iconoclasm. That's that's yes. what this really is. And so long as that's what it really is, um, abused boys, abused children are going to be second in priority to your bigotry. And so long as yes. so long as you do not agree to flaw yourself until you are literally so accepting of other lifestyles that you yourself are willing to do gay porn, you are still going to be a bigot. And that is the biggest issue. Not, not the abused children, your bigotry. Because what is, like you just said, what is driving this is iconoclasm, the deconstruction of America. And until America is completely deconstructed and something else rises in that place, in its place, then that's the way it's going to be. It's the, you know, what you just described, and we I wrote about this two years ago, it's the story of porn star August Ames. He literally drove that woman to suicide because she refused to work with uh, with men who also work in gay porn because the re- restrictions there for testing, which is unbelievable. Stop and think about it. You know, I, you, you've heard me say before, spirit of the age progressivism always harms those that it, it, it pretends to be protecting the most and advocating for the most. The amount of disease... The, the the amount of disease risk involved with out of monogamous homosexual relationships compared to heterosexual by any CDC stat you want to look at, it's not even close. It's overwhelmingly higher. And yet the, the standards for testing for performers uh, in gay porn uh, apparently are lower than what they are in, in straight porn. 
That's unbelievable. Those performers are at a much higher risk. That's not my data. That's the CDC talking to you. They're, they're, they're a much higher risk. And yet there's less protections for them. So this woman, August Ames, says, that's why I'm not going to perform with men that work in that side of the industry as well. They so assaulted her, the social justice warriors did, and, and social media and elsewhere, they drove that woman to killing herself. When in many respects, she was living out the embodiment of what spirit of the age progressivism claims it's for. Free sexuality, feminism. I mean, what's more, what's more, what, what's a my more, body, my choice. Yeah, what's a more feminist statement than my body, my choice. I will do what I want with it. I have total autonomy with it. I will determine whom I join it to and you'll pay me. You can't purchase me. I have to agree to let you pay me to do it. I mean, that's, 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 if, if this was Maslow's hierarchy of needs here from a, from a spirit of the age progressivism standpoint, that's nearly at the top of the pyramid, men. Yeah. Charlie Sheen said winning. Yes. And yet they drove her into the abyss because, because it's not about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's about, it's about deconstruction. That's what it's about. Well, speaking of different, uh, you know, a hierarchy of a different sort, um, it's because, on the hierarchy of intersectionality, whatever is highest on that totem pole, on that hierarchy, whatever is highest is equal to whatever is most deconstructing at any given moment. Which yes. is why Muslim, atheist, vegan, transgender, or trans lizard people is going to be the highest. But if there is something that comes along that's even more deconstructing of Western uh, civilization or Americanism, then it will take Muslim, atheist, vegan, uh, lizard people, uh, you know, transgender lizard people uh, off of that top spot because that is that is the true that again underscoring the main point. That is the true. Well, you saw that, that in the, you saw that in the UK last month when they had a school district there that has a heavily Muslim community and they had to get rid of their rainbow jihad uh, curriculum. Because the uh, the the Islamic uh, community there in the UK said we're not we're not teaching our kids that. Well, they had a choice to make. Are we really about tolerance and accommodation? No. If they were, they'd shove that right down the Muslim's throat like they do the rest of us. See, it's not about that. Instead, they did what Aaron just talked about. They looked at their intersectionality chart and they looked at let's see what's more what right now is 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 more deconstructive to a civilization: Sharia or or mainstreaming of homosexual behavior. And they did the math, came to the conclusion, Sharia is more deconstructing of a civilization than the mainstreaming of homosexual behavior. So guess what, rainbow flags? Back of the bus time for you. Because, you know, um, this is the will of Allah, don't you know? Right? So this is where we're at right now as a society. And the problem, one of the main problems we have is that we don't have... We, we don't have a, a political vehicle to manifest opposition to it. And there's another story in Aaron's montage that may seem totally unrelated to what we're talking about. But when you connect the dots, they're the same story. And it's what happened to Ron DeSantis in Florida yesterday. So he attempts to pass a, a, a bill, uh, uh, no sanctuary cities in Florida, and E-Verify for all employers. And his own legislature decided we, we kind of want to go with sanctuary cities. It, it's like that scene in, in Avengers uh, Infinity War when Tony Stark's laying out the plan and, and Chris Pratt's like, all right, good plan, except it sucks. Let's go with mine instead, all right? 
That's exactly what the Florida legislature did to Governor DeSantis yesterday. Who's like, all right, I'm, I'm, I, he, and, and to his credit, by the way, Ron has been checking boxes of things he ran on. Like, if you ever wondered what would Trump's agenda look like if someone actually stayed focused on governing and went to pursue it? And in and, and the president's defense, didn't have a two-year investigation that was a complete scam, uh, fraud, allegation, distracting you. Well, even more than you're normally distracted at the same time, right? So if you didn't have a two-year fraud investigation and you had a more focused executive with those things, what would it look like? And you've been watching Ron DeSantis has been checking boxes so far in the state of Florida. So he makes his way down. Hey, all right, time to get rid of the sanctuary cities. Bring in the E-Verify. And and the Florida Republican legislature just went all Star-Lord on him. All right, good plan, but it sucks. We're going to do this instead. That's exactly what they did. Let me tell you why they did it. Because that's what the Republican donor class wants. That's what they've always wanted. Cheap, chattel, glorified, indentured servant labor is the only reason for being for the Republican donor class. It's the only reason they're involved in it's this. It's like a cover on the Saturday evening post, Steve, yes, isn't it, it? it? It's the only reason they're here, guys. But you it's, know. It's, it's, it, it is to them what segregation was to Southern Democrats a generation or two ago where they literally had nothing else in common with where the democratic party wanted to go. But it was the, because the Republicans were the party of Lincoln and civil rights, they had nowhere else to go to continue doing segregation. So they had, you had this growing progressive, you know, movement throughout the democratic party and this pocket in the South that was like segregation tomorrow, segregation yesterday, segregation forever. It was their only reason for being. That's what the Republican donor class is here for. They're really, they, they, they really, yeah, the tax thing is great, but they, they've made all kinds of money. They've already made their money with the top corporate marginal tax rates in the civilized world. They've already made all their money with that. They've already, they made all, they all got rich when Obama was doing regulations too. These are, glo- why? Because they're not American companies. They're global conglomerates and they're looking for the free flow of the of overhead and the number one overhead for any industry is what labor labor human capital and that's all, that's all they're in this for they they don't care literally about anything else that they, they and they will they will divide that party to the bitter end and thus they they will blow it up and continue divide, dividing the country over this issue uh and that's that's really the only thing driving them is the pursuit of cheap indentured servant immigration that's it and why do they keep getting away with this i mean because when it comes to donors okay which which number is greater one thousand or one uh one thousand so you need more voters than you have republican donor classes essentially what happens here it's um a relationship where the donors give republicans the money to buy a platform to reach a, a to reach an audience in order to lift their leg and show some skirt with some social issues during election cycles or other shiny objects during election cycles so they have enough votes to win so that they can pay back their donor classes for the money that they gave them to buy the platform to lift some skirt for the people who voted for them it happens over and yep. over and over again and it's it's a perfect i mean if guys guys there's a reason why John Banner's making bang. There's a right. reason why Paul Ryan's probably Eric making Cantor. bank right Eric now. Eric Cantor's making huge bank right now. Remember when you thought you beat him in that primary? 
with Dave Bratt, he's making more money than he was ever going to make as a member of Congress. All right. Yeah. It's one of the main reasons I wrote this book is what we're talking about right now. We don't have a platform. We're in, we're in, we're in a, a bit of a pickle politically. We have a political party that has and shows and, and really has no means of stopping itself. When when Joe Scarborough and Minka are out there today dunking on Joe Biden's presidential aspirations before he even announces, understand that's Joe Biden's base. Joe Biden's base are old rich white people who like to be rich and don't want to have to speak Arabic, but want government to do everything else. That's Joe Biden's base. Joe Scarborough's audience is Joe Biden's base. And when Joe and Minka are dumping on, dunking on him, what base does he have? I don't know what base he has if he's lost that. The, the Democratic Party is gone. It's gone to history. It's gone. You should be in a position politically to take historic advantage of this. And I do think the odds are in favor of Trump winning in next year because of what I'm talking about. But I don't mean winning the next election. I mean like making their political party the Whigs of the 21st, not defeatable, unthinkable. It's unthinkable. Remember what Joe Rosenberg was on here last week describing happened to the leftist in Israel? It's just unthinkable to go as far left in Israel right now. It's just unthinkable to do this. You don't want to make, they're, they're very defeatable, but you want to make it unthinkable. You should be in a position, in a two-party system. The other party should be in a position that they just make where the other, where, where the radical nature of the other side has gone, unthinkable for them to stay and reside there. But they won't. They won't. I wish that weren't true. I, I did everything I could for a decade. I burned every bridge. I, 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 I lost nights of sleep I'll never get back. I lost friendships I'll never get back. I did everything I could, man, for us to avoid everything I could in the limited platform and exposure and influence I have. I did everything I could to avoid the very dynamic that we have embarked upon right now ever occurring. And it went nowhere. And I wasn't alone. I I did this with other people like Daniel Horowitz that you see on our show. And it went nowhere. And the reason it went nowhere is because dollars count more than voters. And you know why? Because you can't threaten the Republican establishment's love of illegal immigration with you'll lose elections. Because in the end, yeah, they'd rather win elections. But if they lose elections, they know the other party is going to promote illegal immigration too, which they ple- their donors are pleased. So think about this. Their donors are pleased whether they win or lose. Whether they win or lose. Whether they win or lose. I don't know how you leverage. I mean, how do you, how do you punish Richie Rich? If, imagine being Richie Rich's like stu- you know, parent, war, steward, steward. How would you punish him? What do you send him away with? What do you, what do you, what do you punish a child king with? What do you hold them accountable with? When you have no leverage, all you have left is, is counting on their base nature to come through. <laughs> well, good luck with that. So we're going to live in a society. We're going to make stupid mistakes like all those children getting abused in the Boy Scouts. 
We will have no discernible pushback against this when it should be simple politically to do so. But we just don't have the will to do so because we don't have a platform to do it. That's where we're at right now. It sucks. I don't, it's sad. I, I, I don't know what to do about it. I did everything I could. So that's why it's revival or bust here on our show. It's why we support causes like Back to Jerusalem. Uh, which wants to take God's word to the ends of the earth, to places like Somalia, Iran, North Korea, communist China, where they're based. These are what are called closed countries that close their uh, their people off, or at least try to close their people off to the word of God because they don't want them inspired, hope-filled, because inspired and hope-filled people have far less tolerance for being oppressed. But not even the gates of hell will prevail. So our friends at Back to Jerusalem have taken the Bible, put it in a small electronic form about the size of a pill, where it can be downloaded in its fullness from there. It makes it easier at that size to sneak it past the gatekeepers in these uh, closed countries. Uh, but it costs about $15 as their total overhead from production, manufacturing, to delivering to a persecuted person in one of these closed countries, cost is about $15. If you want to help with this, best 15 bucks you ever spent. BlazeHelp.org, that's the website, BlazeHelp.org, or give them a call at 844-305-0566. 844-305-0566. Hour number two is next here on The Blaze. <laughs> We are back live and on demand with Hour 2 here on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. Hey, if you are listening to us today uh, via podcast, if you wouldn't mind, on the podcast platform of your choice, leaving us one of those five-star reviews, we would greatly appreciate you doing so. Thank you. To all of you that have done that, now maybe you saw the story uh, that, uh, was it yesterday or is the meeting ha- not happened yet? Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, has been summoned to the White House to meet with the president behind yeah. closed doors. Yeah, no, it, it ha- I think it was yesterday or the it day before. Went, it went down yesterday. Yeah. So uh, we are seeing more and more aggression. Uh, with these progressive uh, enclaves, Google, uh, YouTube, demonetizing, deplatforming people. Uh, we had some Google execs posing with Planned Parenthood officials a week ago. Uh, we're seeing more and more of this. And if you want to support um, causes that actually support your values, uh, there's one there's one place you can go in an industry that pretty much all of us have to take part in today. It's really hard to live as an American in 2019 and not have a mobile phone. In fact, there's more of us that don't have landlines anymore probably than don't have a mobile phone, okay? So if you want to use a company that supports your values, give you a chance to fight back, give you a choice to stand for the things that you believe in, check out veteran-led Patriot Mobile, America's only conservative cell phone company, all right? When, when they're done paying their bills, when they give to causes, they give to the causes you believe in, like PragerU, Alliance Defending Freedom, and more. And with plans starting as low as $25 a month. Why wait? In fact, you can give them a call right now. 1-800-UP-PATRIOT. Use the code BLAZE when you call in and they will waive your activation fee at 1-800-UP-PATRIOT. Or you can visit the website, patriotmobile.com slash blaze. Patriotmobile.com slash blaze. If you go there online, they will waive your activation fee as well. Speaking of patriots, we're joined by Good friend of mine now, Congressman from the state of Texas, Chip Roy, joining us here on The Blaze. Good to have you, Chip. How are you? Hey, Steve. How are you? Great to be on the show, and uh, thanks for all you do to keep the American people informed of the uh, train wreck that is the swamp, but we're trying to fix it. 
appreciate you, man. Thank you very much for saying that. So I wanted to have you on today uh, because we're, we're trying to do our best. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing, I think, to deconstruct the, the false narrative of the last two years with Russian collusion and everything else and pushing back on that. And I have no problem with that whatsoever. But at some point, we have to quit exchanging the clickbait here and, and govern the country. And now with most of this investigation behind us, and the Democrats will continue to harp on it because, as we saw last night with Kamala Harris, they really can't talk about issues because they're so far out of the American mainstream on every issue. It hurts them when they talk about it. So they got to talk about Trump instead. But, but if, you, if, if the president brought you in, and said, hey, I want to talk to a guy from a state that is solidly behind me where, you know, I, I need to win going away. It's the last really large, truly red, diverse state left in the country. And I want to find out from, from, from a guy that's on the ground talking to my supporters and hardcore constituents on the ground. What is it now that we've got the Mueller thing behind us? Where could we govern? Where should our priorities be before we have to go into full-time campaign mode? So, Chip, if you were that person sitting there in the Oval Office, one-on-one with the president and his advisors, tell them what what your priorities would be. Well, that's a great question. It's the question that should be the preeminent question at the White House right now, and I hope it is. And the answer is step on the gas. The answer is step on the gas and lead. The American people are, to the extent the American people are backing the president is because he is doing what he said he would do to challenge the swamp. He's fighting the regulatory state, getting tax relief across the goal line, fighting to get good judges appointed, getting us out of ridiculous international trade agreements, starting to raise the questions about how long we should have our military engaged in Afghanistan and Syria, raising the right questions there. And I could keep going down the list of things, but importantly, he needs to hit the gas and stay on a handful of key issues. He ran on securing the border. He better darn well secure the border. Stop letting judges dictate our policy. Go forward. You declared an emergency? Act like it. Go take action right now to secure the border. Stop people from coming across. Force them to ports of entry. If you have to do credible fear interviews, do it, but do it at the border and turn them away if they don't meet the standard. If judges get in the way, start ignoring the judges. We're at a point right now where our sovereignty is our nation, our security is a nation, and the well-being of the migrants who seek to come here requires executive action to stop the flow. Number two, I would focus like a laser on continuing economic growth. 3.1% economic growth is great. Let's get these trade agreements sorted out. Let's get this engine continuing to hum by getting tax, keeping the tax relief. I'd start talking about continued tax simplification and permanence of the tax code so that we can have economic growth and getting the regulatory state out of the way and trumpet all that we've been doing great on that front. And thirdly, I would talk about fiscal responsibility and stopping the madness of Washington, not because of some esoteric number like $22 trillion of debt, which is painful, and not because of $100 million of debt per hour that we're racking up, which is awful, but because in a, in a, a funded Washington is a Washington that is undermining your liberties. It is a Washington that is standing in the way of progress. It is a Washington that is standing in the way of the rights and the ability of the people to govern themselves. And so get up and stop the madness in Washington and get some fiscal responsibility. Force the fight this fall. So if you focus on securing the border, stopping the irresponsible spending, and keeping our economic growth going, you're honoring a lot of the commitments. And we'll focus on health care, I think, in the next election. But I would go, I would, those are the things I would be focusing on. So you know, having been, a, uh, you know, been a, an aide to members of Congress, now a member of Congress yourself, you know how these conversations go. You've heard them before. Well, that all sounds great, Chip, 
Democrats are in control of the House now, so we can't do anything. And this this is, I think, is is an age old debate with within the Republican Party, which is, do you govern to win or do you win to govern? Okay, and and that really sets up that even if you don't have the votes to do something, the American people are far more likely to trust that you will attempt to do those things and are worthy of power rather than we just give it to you because we're pissed at the Democrats. We, we give, we're giving you a mandate. You, you want to, do, like we did with Obamacare, and then we didn't keep that promise after you know eight years. So what I hear you saying is, um, hey, let's demonstrate that we want to govern the country, and if the Democrats want to continue to have Cal Berkeley faculty meetings in front of the country for the next year, that's on them, and then we'll reap the reward for attempting to govern the country at the ballot box, that this isn't an either-or. These two things actually go together. So uh, this is a great question. It's a central question. You know as well as I know that Republicans, for, for as long as I can remember, have always hid behind not having the votes, not having a majority, not having, in this case, the House. But even when we had a majority, well, we don't have 60 in the Senate. They need to literally stop making excuses, and they need to start leading. Get out there and make the arguments. Stop hiding in a corner shivering and cowering about pre-existing conditions on health care or about talking about climate change because, oh, no, the green movement and we can't talk about CO2. Talk about how better our lives are because of clean, abundant energy. Talk about how great our health care can be with unfettered access to an abundant supply of doctors and health care uh, practitioners and multiple insurance products at market rates that you can afford instead of worrying about it and keeping your insurance from one a job to the next instead of losing it because of government mandated controls after wage control. These are all the things that we are uh, experiencing that if he will lead, I'm sorry, if the president will lead, but if Congress will actually help the president lead, that we can get where we want to go. But Congress, unfortunately, always hides behind, well, we don't have the majority in the House, so there's a limit to what we can do. The Senate should be passing awesome stuff after awesome, you know, bill to send them to the House to jam it in Pelosi. But they won't do it because they can't even get 51 in their own body to agree to support freedom. And that's where I think the majority leader in the Senate needs to step up and lead and push them to push a true conservative freedom-oriented agenda. Congressman Chip Roy is our guest here on The Blaze. Now, to defend uh, Mitch McConnell, and I'm not sure I've ever used that phrase in my career, uh, but, but to defend Mitch McConnell, he is stepping up to lead. He he vowed last week he's going to make raising the tobacco age a priority. Your thoughts on that, Chip? I mean, come on. I mean, this is the thing, right? You've got our men and women in uniform uh, that are serving at 18. You, you're, you know, we've got people who are voting at 18, and now you're going to say, we're going to spend the focus of the United States Senate when our borders are wide open, when our budget is busting $100 million of debt an hour, when our health care is completely unaffordable, and we have a listless direction for our military who are sent overseas without a clear mission, and, and our focus is going to be on a tobacco bill, and, you know, oh, we're going to use this to sort of tamp down any efforts to change the voting age. Look, if you've got to deploy some strategy to tamp down lowering the voting age to 16, well, then we've got bigger problems. We need to win a message that will win minds and hearts, and raising the tobacco age ain't winning minds and hearts of voters. What's the mood of your constituents right now, Chip? Tell us about your district and, and, and where it stands as, as kind of a snapshot of Americana uh, and, the, and the kind of voters that may determine this election one way uh, or the other in 2020. 
The 21st Congressional District in Texas stretches from Austin to San Antonio and through the Hill Country. It reflects Texas as a whole, big city, small town, rural, urban, universities, uh, defense installations and bases. Uh, we, if you name it, we've got it. So we pretty much reflect Texas. Uh, I believe that we have a over, uh, self, uh, over um, a sense of overconfidence by the Democrats that they're in a position to flip Texas. However, I also believe that Republicans in Texas cannot be uh, can't can't rest on their laurels, right? We we've got to get out there and be engaged and fight to make sure we win. Um, I think that the sense of the people that I talk to are people that are hungry for leadership to the extent that they support and are behind the president, which is a significant block of the Republican voters in Texas 21. It's because he doesn't play the game. He doesn't do the tiptoeing around everything in Washington. He tells it like it is. And that is something that I think you and I would agree with. That is to be, to a, to an extent that we support anything. It's look, challenge the status quo and call BS when you see it. And I think that's the, the impetus here. When I see anybody, I was at a funeral last Friday. Well, really it's a memorial service. For Lieutenant Colonel Cole, Dick Cole, he was a 103-year-old, uh, last, uh, the final remaining survivor of the Doolittle raid. He was the co-pilot to Jimmy Doolittle. And as your listeners know, right, the Doolittle raid was our response in bombing Japan after uh, the Pearl Harbor attacks. This was in the spring of 42. So on the 77th anniversary of that raid, we had this memorial service at Randolph Air Force Base, a base on which my mom grew up as a kid and in San Antonio. And it was a moving tribute to a generation that sacrificed for our freedom and that understood what mattered. And every guy that I saw out there and every gal that was working there in uniform and out of uniform came up to me and almost without fail said, stand with the president, stand up and defend the United States. Keep fighting. We're proud of what you're doing. You're doing what you said you would do. Keep doing that. If I had to say that there's one phrase that the American people are hungry for, it's do what you say you will do. Lead. So, Chip, final question. If the president were to, to, to take your advice, beginning with step one, um, step on the gas, it's going to require him to exert some leverage uh, over other leaders in his own party. And frankly, at times, he has been hesitant to do that. And I would imagine the same people in his administration that, are, that have, have advised him not to do that in the past are telling him even more so with his own reelection upcoming not to do that. Uh, you don't want to risk a splitting of your own party. Uh, you need every Republican voter you can get, yada, yada, yada. So how do you, how would, how would, how would he presume to navigate that, do you think? Well, I think it's by using what he has best, the bully pulpit, the bully pulpit via Twitter, the bully pulpit via press conferences, get up and direct the country where we want to go. There's that famous story, are you familiar with the message to Garcia, the, the uh, story about the uh, uh, the military personnel. This is in a, I think it was in Cuba, but it doesn't matter. The point is, the whole point was the guy was given an order and he said, I need to get this message to Garcia. And he gave it to this guy and the guy stood up and he delivered, right? He got the message to Garcia. The guy who gave him the order to say, get the message to Garcia doesn't care how it gets to Garcia. It's get the daggum message to Garcia. This is my point about the border. Stop wrangling and wrestling with all of these intricacies about, well, when can we do this questioning? What can we do under this? The purpose of our asylum laws is clear. Are you being persecuted in a country or not? If you're not, go back home or come through the ports of entry. And by the way, even if you are being persecuted, come through the ports of entry. 
We're a sovereign nation. Act like it. My point here is how do you navigate? Do it. Leave. Now, I'm not telling him to out, act outside of the law. Act within the law. But don't let some judge interpreting something because he's from Cal Berkeley professor on the Ninth Circuit telling us what the law is. Don't listen to that clown. Lead. Be the president. Secure the border. Stop the flow. Stop the cartels. Undermine what they're doing to damage our country. And if you do that, Congress has to follow. They do. They have to follow. Congressman Chip Roy from the 21st District there in the great state of Texas. Thanks for joining us today, brother. Good to hear from you. Steve, hope you're healthy. Hope you're well. God bless Amy, your family, and all that you do. And thanks for having me on. I'm happy to come on any other time. All right, you bet, man. Take care. God bless. Take care. Our friends at Home Title Lock uh, found uh, another example of home title fraud and why you need to pay attention to protecting your home. Uh, it's a story out of Portland. There was a couple there that um, uh, online thieves in the U.S. and abroad found the couple's home uh, exposed on a website. So they forged documents to make it look like they were the new owners, borrowed thousands of dollars against the equity in the property. Uh, and now the couple didn't find out until the late notices started pouring in. Uh, and then it got worse. A foreign bank foreclosed, had them evicted from their own home. This shouldn't happen to you, especially when for just pennies a day, you can avoid it with our friends at Home Title Lock. They'll put a virtual barrier around your home's title, mortgage, equity, protecting the most valuable investment most Americans will ever have. So here's what I would advise you to do right now. Go to HomeTitleLock.com, register your home to see if it's already been targeted, tampered with. HomeTitleLock.com, you can register for free with a free title scan and report. Normally $100 value, but free today to our audience at The Blaze. HomeTitleLock.com, that's HomeTitleLock.com. Uh, some uh, reaction, gentlemen, to the conversation we just had with Chip Roy. Can I throw one one uh, epilogue uh, into his comments that he made there at the end when he urged the president to defy these federal judges. Here's something you need to know. Chip Roy is the former deputy attorney general of the state of Texas. Okay. This isn't another, so this isn't some guy ID, like Josh Hammer uh, from the, the Daily Wire urging the same thing as the former clerk uh, on the federal, on the U.S. Court of Appeals. This is no, we're outside the purview of the hardcore ideologues like Daniel Horowitz and I out here, you know, in, in, uh, in the mezzanine, urging the actors down there on the main stage, do what we say. All right. Now you've got, you, these are people that have been to all the law schools. They know all the terminologies. They've, they, they, these are the, he's even got people now professionally saying enough is enough with these judges. Just say no. Aaron, your thoughts on what you heard from Congressman Roy. I think the reason, the number one reason why Trump doesn't go and, and push on the accelerator, as Congressman Roy was encouraging him to do more often, is because he doesn't have people like Chip Roy, uh, or at least not enough people like Chip Roy around him. Instead, he's got but daddy. So again, we're left with uh, people like Chip, who is courageous in stay, staying up and you know calling, you know, he's very fair in his criticism, very fair in his admonition. I think of Donald Trump as fair, I think, as I've, I've heard any elected person be uh, for Donald Trump. But the reason why Donald Trump doesn't do more of this stuff and probably hasn't is because the Daniel Horowitzes and the Chip Roys of the world are not in his inner sanctum. It's Jared Kushner. Or it's Javanka. It's uh, it's the others. And that's why that's why I, I feel like so often when we 
when we admonish and we, um, I don't want to say beg, but uh, strongly encourage Trump to do something like this, to really set a precedent that, yeah, you don't have jurisdictions, judge and you random judge in Oregon. Yeah, you, you don't have jurisdiction here uh, to uh, to, uh, you know, rule down or strike down. Don't you love that phrase? Don't you ever don't right. do, do you never get do you never get tired of that phrase? Federal judge or judge strikes down the da da da. You don't have that jurisdiction. We're waiting on somebody in the Oval Office, namely the president, to finally do something like that. And the reason he doesn't is because I don't think he's surrounded with enough people who actually are willing and able to push back on him and to encourage him to do the hard thing. And that's what we need more, which is why when it comes to Trump on these issues, it is like a bull in the China shop or it's like just a, a bull. We need a bull sometimes in Washington. We need a bull who's out of control sometimes in Washington. The problem becomes is when we start doing Andale, Andale, and then the bull just, just <laughs> uh, you know, goes off and, uh, into some other direction, like tweeting today about how the veterans, yeah, uh, you know, uh, Ocasio-Cortez is, is completely right. The Veterans Affairs uh, Administration is doing just fine. He tweeted that just a few minutes ago. Um, trying, trying to get him to do what we want to do is like playing Andale with a bull. Sometimes... Sometimes we get out of the way and he charges through and we, he destroys what we need him to. Sometimes we get, you know, the horn up the, up the backside. Um, but that's what it is. That's the nature of where we are right now. I think we'd have a better chance of doing Adele more often if people like Chip were in Trump's inner circle. Well, I, I bring you glad tidings of great joy, Aaron, because any day now, it, Jared Kushner is scheduled to unveil his immigration proposal uh, to... Uh, to the president. So that should give you the warm fuzzies, right? Yeah. Sleep well. Yeah. Sleep well, America. Todd, your thoughts. You know, I was saying the same thing before Trump was inaugurated about how he should approach things. A step on the gas, multiple issues. Be not afraid. Because uh, the the way we've been, some people like Ted Cruz uh, before Chip Roy, the way the path was and almost always is obvious on issues like the courts, immigration, uh, uh, health care and Obamacare. Uh, We've got the best argument. It's not a incredibly complicated argument. It does take some courage to follow through on, but we aren't doing something Herculean in terms of trying something we knew. And it only depresses me all the more that we are now in deep into year three and we still have Obamacare and we're still having the same immigration discussions and we haven't defunded Planned Parenthood and we haven't taken on the courts. Um, it, 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 it just makes it seem that the guys like uh, Chip Roy, God bless them, we need them in every age shouting from the desert. But the people that we need to join us are just increasingly unmovable it doesn't matter how simple the argument is the spirit of the age has them in their grips well and this is this is a continuation of the conversation we just had in the last hour we 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 can't come to a realization that um if we're going to have a pluralistic post-christian view of parenthood childhood family then at the very least you know even pagan cultures you know love their kids on some level too you know i mean um we 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 can't come to some understanding then do you understand why the judeo-christian culture separated 
boys from uh, you know from girls and girls from boys and men from women in certain situations where human nature is is wrought to uh, wreak havoc. Do you understand that? And that if we're going to do this now, we should practice the. Ex- we can't have a common sense conversation about that for the same reason that we can't secure a border. There, there's, we're not a nation of laws, guys, and we never have been. We're a nation of political will, and we always will be. And that's, that's the trade-off of self-government. If you're going to have a government of the people, by the people, for the people. If you're going to have a government that begins with the phrase, we the people. There is no perfect system. One of the greatest lines of ever, uh, on, one of the greatest, most insightful lines of political science history. When Winston Churchill once said about democracy, it's the, it's, it's the, the worst it, it, it's the worst form of government except for all of the others. Correct. Okay. There is no system of government devised by men that can conquer what lies in the hearts of men. All right. And our founders figured out the only way to potentially win this game is not to play is to not try to create a government that think that we are, have some smarter view. We are the people we've been waiting for. We, we can ignore all of human history up to this point because this hasn't been tried yet or hasn't been tried the way we thought of yet. The humility they practiced was the genius. It was the, it was not their recognition that they were changing history, but that they could not. That's, that's the wisdom there, that they had to acknowledge certain in, uh, self-evident truths that they could not govern around. They could not get around. These things were true before Lexington and Concord, and they were going to be true long after Lexington and Concord and Philadelphia were but a speck of dust. And it was their acknowledgement of that. Well, we live in a society today that doesn't want to acknowledge that, or at least the people running it don't. Now, I still think there are scores of Americans that have never read either Milton Friedman or Karl Marx that don't have a clue on most of what the ideological uh, turd uh, throws exchanges we do with each other on Twitter all day long, what most of that means. But they'd like to live in a country that's not a, a border that says come hither to human trafficking gangs. They'd like that. Don't you think they'd like that? I think most Americans would probably be willing to pay. 10 to 15% more for goods at Target and Walmart. If it meant that on the other end, their wages went up because they were no longer as American laborers competing with cheap foreign labor. I think most people, regardless of what they're, if I asked most people outside of a rally for Pete Buttigieg or Bernie Sanders, if I just asked, if I went down the street, if I, not at a college campus, if I went down the street at a place like Des Moines and I just asked people, hey, would you pay... 10 to 20% more for goods that you buy at Walmart and Target in exchange for um, less criminals coming over the border and and we would see wages, American wages go up without competition from cheap foreign labor. What do you think most people in in the city of Des Moines, outside of these partisan enclaves where they're being spurred and whipped into a fervor, what do you think most people, regardless of what their voter registration card says, would say to that? They'd absolutely take it. They'd take it, absolutely they would. Absolutely they would. We, we can't have these conversations, though. And the reason why we cannot is because Marxist iconoclastic ideologues have taken over the Democratic Party. And they want to end all of these things. Uh, and then the Republican Party is, is, is really ensnared 
by a donor class that lives outside of these of the daily concerns most of us have. They live outside of them. See, here's the thing about a regulatory state. Here's the thing about having the highest corporate tax rate in in the G's, whatever, how many countries we have nowadays in that now. Um, here's the dirty little secret. You're not causing, you're not costing Amazon any money. You're not costing Google any money. You're not costing AT&T any money. You're not costing Microsoft any money really at all. They all got rich in this environment. And they're rich enough now to withstand whatever the new stuff is. What it really stops is somebody like you from being the next Microsoft, from being the next Amazon. And you've ever wondered, Steve, I don't understand why do all these major corporations support Democrats? Well, some of it is cultural. They've all been worked over in these elite academic centers. They all believe in the new paganism culturally. But there's another instinct here. You know, we haven't, we haven't seen it a lot at Americana. This was primarily a European notion. But ideas of old money and new money, that's kind of an antiquated, um, you know, notion. And it's, it's been more of an issue in Europe. But the odds that a competitor could arise to that kind of, in, in this kind of a corporate tax climate or regulatory climate, it's the difference from why they all fought Hillary care in 1993, the insurance cartel did. And then they all signed up for Obamacare in 2009 because they were big. They were all too big to fail. Now they, they can't be competed with now. They can't. And now government's going to give them a guaranteed clientele. So hit me, I'm in. So this really hurts people like you, the new money, your chances of being the new thing. That's what, that's what confiscatory taxation and these regulations. You can't buy off the bureaucrats. You can't, you can't get some guy elected who puts an exemption for your industry and your company in a piece of legislation. Yep. You're not rich enough to be a corporatist. That's why they don't mind democratic policies. They believe, they believe in them culturally. They all support, all the, almost all of the countries that, co- companies I just mentioned are huge supporters of Planned Parenthood, for example. They agree that uh, uh, the Boy Scouts were bigots, um, uh, you know, until 2014. They agree with that, too. And they all made money anyway. Democrats just write them exemptions if they have to. Bark too loud, they'll just cut you a deal. This stops you, th- this stops you from being the next American success story. That's what it stops. And they're okay with you not being the new American success story because that means they don't have to compete with you. We'll come back, play our little game known as Buy, Sell, or Hold. We turn the show over to you, the people. Next year, live and on demand on The Blaze. Stay tuned. Chronic pain is often uh, a reality to too many Americans. Uh, Americans spend up to $2,000 a year to combat chronic pain. About two-thirds of us expect that we're going to have to live with some of this for the rest of our lives. There's a lot of success stories here at The Blaze with a product known as Relief Factor. And if you want to give it a shot right now, uh, it's 100% drug-free, created by doctors 
four key ingredients that help your body win the fight against inflammation, which is really the cause of the of chronic pain. That's what chronic means, okay? Inflammation. Uh, and if you look at it, they also offer a trial pack for a dollar a day, $19.95 for three weeks. Because the amount of people who try this and the results they see after just three weeks lends them to staying with it full time. If you want to give Relief Factor a try, you want to try the quick start for $19.95 today, you've got nothing to lose except hopefully maybe the pain. Here's what you need to do. Just go to relieffactor.com. That's it. All one word, relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com. Let's get to it. This week's edition of Buy, Sell, or Hold. Our producer, Aaron, usually uh, letting you do his work for him out there in the audience, will give us a series of statements on various topics. Todd and I will decide, are we buying that? Are we selling that? Hopefully, we have at least one good reason why. Once per show, we are permitted to put a hold on something. But if we do so for any reason other than what you are asking us to respond to is beneath contempt then we will be held in contempt by the dude code. Are we ready to go? Yep. Yes. Aaron, you may fire when ready. First one from When Howitzers Fly. Aaron would look past the first five responses and pick a more worthy buy, sell, hold suggestion within the next year. Uh, outlook not looking so good. I think that's probably going to be a sell from both of you. <laughs> uh, definite uh, sell. Aaron's just taking these in the order he's receiving them with no screening. Let's just be honest about that. Is that true, Aaron? No, it's not. Oh, okay. But that just says... That's really insulting to our audience, Steve. I was really trying to insult you. I'm sorry. I apologize to the audience. See, see what I did there, kids? Not to Aaron. You see what I did there? I, I, yeah. I turned it around. Turned it around. On said, a, well, yeah, yeah. You, you and the audience can't be trusted to just come up with good ones yeah. by taking them in the order he receives them. That's what he was saying. Yeah. Todd? I don't even remember the question after what you yeah, do just engaged It's in. kind of irrelevant. You're Jarvis right. Redwine says the evil acts nice of terrorists. Nice name. Yes. Uh, That's an eye back throwback to back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> the evil acts of terrorism against churches combined with the inability of public figures to utter the words Jesus and Christian is actually proof that our Lord has the enemies scared to death. You know, I like I like I like the way that you're thinking. Um, I think our Lord's had the enemy scared to death uh, since the third day. Yeah. But uh, if 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 you're in line of you're seeing it more prominently in the West and in this culture, I think it goes back. I think that's really what the war on Christmas was about when we went through that 15, 10, 15 years ago. The idea that saying the name is convicting. Um. And that's why we'd prefer to, to, to not say it, to not acknowledge it. Unless it's in the form of a swear word. Yes, because that way we don't want to be convicted. So I will buy the spirit, even if I don't necessarily agree with the, the exact wording, Jarvis, and not to mention I love your name, uh, I will buy the spirit of your proposition. Uh, I get that. I'm going to sell because, remember, we are Jesus's hands and feet. Uh, we are, and uh, I go with what Steve said about uh, the enemy is always at all times uh, fearful uh, of the Lord, but simultaneously deeply resentful about that fear, and at the very least always, always very passive-aggressive on how he, the, how the enemy uh, pursues his ends. Um, I, I I, fi I find no hope currently. I mean, I, that's a given. It's baked into the cake what you're talking about. It, ju it just doesn't say anything to me about these particular times and who's ready to move against the enemy. 
Dueling Politics says the artist formerly known as Bradley Manning appears in a Bernie Sanders campaign commercial to support voting from prison. I'm going to buy that. <laughs> sure. Uh, I'm at a cell. I don't think, I don't believe Sanders will go that far. Okay. But you know what though? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to go back. Yeah. What are you? I, and, and I, I get, I, I love the spirit of it. So I'm going to honor the spirit of that and buy based, even though I don't think that exact moment will happen. The fact that uh, we have a zeitgeist capable of producing it, and and you connected the dots there, I thought very capably. So I I will I will buy the spirit of that dueling politics. Me too. Better yes, bye. Uh, David Barry says when it gets down to the last two Democrats, Bernie Sanders will not be one of them. I'm going to sell that. I'm going to sell. Uh, I, I I think Bernie Sanders has a base that exists largely outside of the Democratic mainstream that everybody else is fighting for, that it exists even outside of the intersectionality mainstream. I think a lot of it um, has a certain, I wouldn't say it's an exact comparison, but circumstantially, there is a Trumpian aspect to his candidacy where people that belong in traditionally left of center constituency groups that feel left behind. Uh, there's two people that, that, and I saw this, originally with Ron Paul in Iowa that he attracted two groups of people. He attracted um, young people, Aaron's age who were discovering 20th century libertarianism, the Milton Friedman's, the Ayn Rand's uh, nowadays, the Tom Woods, he they were discovering them for the first time and were intellectually stimulated and inspired. But then he, dis but then he inspired another group of people who had no clue what the hell he was talking about. They just liked the wild eyed look in his eye and thought he was crazy enough to just hit some of the buttons that he was talking about, okay? The, the, there's this theory, which I've, for all, this, all these years, I have rejected. And I was on the Cruz campaign, and I was in Iowa. So I think I had a pretty good look. There's this notion that Ted Cruz caused Rand Paul's presidential aspirations to implode. Well, I think Rand Paul took the first step with the deal he cut with Mitch McConnell. He undercut his whole outsider status. But I think it was actually Donald Trump that did that. Right. We, we did attract some of the intellectual libertarian element, some of that young intellectual entertain, uh, uh, libertarian element. We did take some of those people away from Rand Paul. But if you want to know why Ron Paul went from 10% in the 2008 Iowa caucuses to darn near winning it with well into the 20s, four years later, it's because he brought in this drain the swamp faction. In fact, Ron Paul's signature ad of the 2012 Iowa caucuses, do you guys remember what it was? That semi rolling down the track? Drain the Swamp is what it was called, okay? And so when you would go to a Ron Paul event, you would see two groups of people, college students or just out of college people, um, or you'd see white older folks my age and older who the system had kind of left behind. And there's another group of those folks. I think, I think Bernie Sanders' coalition is very similar. They're, they're older white folks who just couldn't presume to ever go Republican no matter what, that feel the system's been left them behind. The Democrats didn't, the Democrats adopted globalism too, and they didn't do the trade protectionism and stuff that they used to run on in the 80s. And then I think there's college kids that have bought into the new socialism, similarly inspired by socialist uh, notions um, as they were libertarian ones before. And so I think because of that coalition, he is largely immune. Like he's not gonna have to take back, let, let people in prison vote. Kamala Harris has to take it back because she's actually running for the Democratic mainstream. Sanders' base 
is Sanders saying pr- people in prison should be allowed to vote. Democrats actually think this way and have all along. You just aren't allowed to say it because it loses you elections. When, when Donald Trump said that our Middle Eastern military policy was a joke and we're just getting people killed, he, lots of Republicans feel this way. It's just because of, you know, we're the pro-military party, the Bushes. You just weren't allowed to say it. Well, if, 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 if Marco Rubio had said that, he would have been doing genuflections and Hail Marys the day after, like Kamala Harris is doing today. Donald Trump says it, no penalty, because his base largely existed outside of the Republican mainstream the other 16 candidates of us were vying for. And the same is true in the Democratic Party. He's going to be one of the last two guys standing. It's just a matter of who the other person is. Yeah, also he's going to be there uh, for a couple of reasons beyond that. He's he's uh, he's not buying uh, green bananas anymore. To borrow from you, Steve. I mean, this is it's raw right now, and he's also beyond shame. We talked about this yesterday where you were gone uh, in that CNN town hall, and they're talking about the things he said. In the seventies, and he kind of goes like cute, doddering old guy. Oh, when did I say that? Well, back he said, "Oh, well, you know, I I, I said things back then. You know, yeah, I grab the means of production, sure, but uh, you know, the, these things can be misinterpreted. I mean, he he is going to bob and weave, and at at the very least, he's going to be John Kasich, you know, hovering around. Let me add one more thing to this too. We didn't learn this on the cruise campaign until it was too late. That. Not only was Trump not being penalized for violating party orthodoxy, he was being rewarded for it. And if we had if we had learned it earlier, we probably then would have gone with the plan that we, we you can't have it be us and Trump at the end because Trump will win if that happens. OK, um, the party closing ranks are going after Sanders. The more they do that, they're going to help his brand. Okay, they're going to help his brand uh, because his constituency largely exists outside of the party's current uh, Overton window or mainstream. All right. uh, Next one is Tim. Christ will return before the Indians win another World Series. (laughs) Sell. I sell on principle with with any eschatological any eschatological assertions of specificity, I sell on principle. That that being said, so I'm selling. I do. I'll fill your pint. I, I, as a Lions fan, I have over the last several years, I have grown to have a heavy heart for other woebegone fan bases. So I feel you, but I still sell. Sell. Jacob Todd, Wilson, however, has hi. no has no empathy for you. Just sell. No. Yeah. Uh, Jacob Wilson, high title master of the multiverse, says oh, the best Reese's product <laughs> is the single package eggs. They have the perfect ratio of chocolate to peanut butter. I will allow it. <laughs> because it, I, th- I, I think there's, there, uh, you know what, I'll buy. I'll buy. No, it's First true. of all, the, well, if you want to sell on the grounds, there's no such thing as a as a bad Reese's peanut butter product. I'll I'll allow that too. Okay. But if you wanna, you know, the 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 total texture combination, it is downright. It's it's pretty perfect, you know. So I, I'll buy it. Yeah. Sure. Why why are you so bemused by this? Why? I j- yeah, it's, it's just, not you know, serious just, enough, Todd. Just, is just, that what just, it is? Just eat the egg. It's all good. I guess I go with what you said about you know, like there's no. Is there a bad Reese's product? Yeah, let's just yeah, yeah. 
we don't need to really go over this with a fine tooth comb. Just I I don't know. I you'd like to. I'd like to. (laughs) And there it is. (laughs) Um, Christian quickly says the Boston bomber speaks at CPAC before Steve. Oh God! Bye. (laughs) Wow. Bye. Yes. It has it has come to this. That's perfect. It has come to this. All the helmet stickers right there. I'll buy. Dave Ebert says someone will sue to change the alphabet to move the letter B to first since it's uh, an age-old microaggression to have B, meaning brown or black, as the second letter, i.e. second class. Buy. Buy on any of these. See? Buy on any of these. That was... That that require any amount of uh, cultural or American... Um, the, the conversation we were having in the first hour. There, there anything, many, anything you can imagine. There's too many moving parts in there. The last one was simplicity itself. I, I just, I'm not. I, yeah, that's. We got to tighten that argument. Up I agree. I agree that it needs to be tightened. I agree it could be worded a lot better. But like I said a little while ago with another gentleman, uh, the spirit uh, of, of of what he's tapping into. I mean, I think you have to buy. I mean, guys. I mean, the stuff that we are arguing and debating right now, or that oh, yeah. a segment of the population oh. would like us to argue and debate, I should say. Most of America doesn't care, doesn't know, isn't arguing or debating. But the stuff that this segment of the population is trying to provoke us to argue and debate, the lunacy knows no bounds. Agreed. Chris Gobe says Steve Rogers is the soul sacrificed to undo the snap at the end of Endgame. Bye on some level, yeah. I don't. I think Tony Stark is going to live. You think he's going to live? I think he's going to live, as long as he wants to be a part. I, he seems like he does. He's having too much fun doing this. They act the actual Robert Downey Jr. and he kind of gets to come in and out whenever he wants. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he doesn't have to be super buff forever. And Steve yeah. Rogers is, I mean, actually, uh, Chris Evans, he's, I don't know what, it, he's mid-30s now. Yeah. You, you can't keep, you, Wolverine did it, but I mean, yeah. it gets old and tiring. You and, ever seen the routine Hugh Jackman? Because in between oh, that, insane. he's doing Tony Award-winning musicals. It's insane. Where that, pop, that, that style of body frame won't work to be, you know, dancing up on a yeah. stage. I mean, what he, the radical revolutions that Hugh Jackman had to put his body through. Yeah, for the last twenty years since he debuted in nineteen ninety nine, it's, it's insane. Um, I'm going to buy if you're going to tell me that it's on the grounds that a pure soul is the one that has to be sacrificed to undo, like like Thanos. You know, I may have just stumbled onto something. Like Thanos had to sacrifice. Like the initial sacrifice had to be something you love, mm-hmm. right? So someone is seeking this, seeking out the soul stone uh, for the purpose of power. That would be a real challenge. I mean, if you're a power mad, power driven individual, do you love something other than other than yourself? I mean, how how many power mad individuals can honestly say they love something other than themselves? That would be worthy. Uh, of, that would be a worthy sacrifice, right? Mm-hmm. So, what would un what would un, what sacrifice would undo a sacrifice like that? A pure soul would you know a pure soul kind of a sacrifice and. Christ, you know, with Superman and all the Christ, uh, logical uh, yeah. metaphors in there, can you just see like when the cost is weighing on him, almost like Aragorn like, also, yeah. uh, but when the whisper happens at the end of that movie, and if you have Steve Rogers just turn around and say, the fear goes aside, and he goes, I could do this all day, and yeah. sacrifice his life, I mean, That's the boom. tagline that brings it full circle? Boom. That's actually, you, you kind of just made the hair on the back of my neck stand up oh, yeah, that. Me too. That was really well yeah. done. Me too. Yeah. 
Uh, let's make this the last one. Qui-Gon Jinn and or Darth Maul appear in some way, resurrected or spiritually, in Episode Nine. Bye. I buy. I believe Qui-Gon will. I don't think Darth Maul will, but I believe Qui-Gon will. I think they will go. I think they will try to unify the entire uh, Skywalker saga universe at the very end. Bye. Bye. Because we've already seen we've already seen Darth Maul. Anyway, so bye. that that secret's kind of already out. So I'm going to buy on that as I knock everything over here on my desk. Did you Very like cool. that? Yeah, that was nice. Did the audience like that? Good touch. Hey, do you have itchy ears? I bet you maybe could hear that, right? Uh, ear pain or that plugged up feeling? Are you constantly asking people to repeat themselves? If that's you, you could be like many Americans who are doomed for a lengthy visit to the doctor's office for a professional ear cleaning here soon. But... Now you've got an option to avoid that hassle. Do it in the comfort and convenience of your own home instead and without a prescription too. It's called WaxRx. It's a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup and that will soothe that ear with a pH-conditioned formula. You can use WaxRx right now by going to the website, usewaxrx.com. Try it risk-free today. Usewaxrx.com, all one word, usewaxrx.com. And while you're there, use the offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Usewaxrx.com, offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Gentlemen, any final thoughts on what we learned today or anything else? Um, glad you're back. That's the alpha and the omega of it, um, and that uh, was seemingly the best case scenario. Thank you. I got a ton of uh, nice notes and posts on our Facebook page and Twitter account the last uh, 24 hours or so. And I, I can't possibly return all of those except to say collectively, very um, humbling and, and encouraging. And I'm very blessed. Thank you to all of you. Yeah. Uh, good to have you back. Uh, first thing I said to you when you walked in the door, I didn't even ask you how you were doing. And I said, yeah, we talked about vaccines yesterday and we're going to talk <laughs> about eschatology next time. You're gone. <laughs> Uh, no, the, the deconstruction <laughs> of Americanism, which is the conversation that basically dominated most of our show. Just remember that as far as Repu- the Democrat side of the aisle, and you see this more and more every, uh, every day, is driven by an ideology. Uh, and the, the, they have their various platforms by which they can construct an Overton window to advance that ideology. Mm-hmm. The Republican side of the aisle is a platform that is bought and paid for by people who don't agree with the people who elect Republicans. Yes. That is the biggest difference yep. between us two. We are we have disadvantages based on the nature of the fact we don't have natural platforms, but the platform we do have is paid for by people who don't agree with us. That's exactly right. Couldn't have said it better myself. Everybody have a great Wednesday. We are back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.